Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. I'd like for us to build upon Yaku's great message from last week, his message around dealing with anxiety and finding peace in God. If you missed last week's message, Yaku touched on some really amazing points, such encouraging points about us finding peace in Jesus. He read for us from Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, which say, Don't worry about anything. This is the New Living Translation. Instead, pray about everything. I love that. Don't worry about anything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And this is not only an instruction. You know, sometimes I I read that and I, I read an instruction from God, like a command in a sense. Don't worry. Philip, do not worry. Philip, worry less. But I think it's less of an instruction as much as it's the Word of God. It is that as it is a representation of God's heart towards us, that God wants us to live in His peace, His perfect peace, which also means that we get to live free from worry. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Words which seem so easy to say within the world in which we live, but a little bit harder to live by. And last week, Yaku helped us. How do we engage? How do we not just repeat the words over and over again and hope that they become true? But what are some of the ways in which we can direct our life to help us to step into this peace of God, which surpasses all understanding? Before we carry on any further, I'd like it if we could just bow our heads for a moment and commit our time together to Jesus. Jesus, we're thankful today, as we always are, for you, for your goodness, for your truth, for the life we get to live, for the word you have given us, which does not return to you empty, Lord, but it accomplishes the very purpose for which you send it. It always brings forth fruit. And so today we bring our hearts and our minds before you. We choose to open our spirits to listen to you, Lord. Today, God, we're hungry for your word, Lord. Lord, we're not hungry for the words in a sense spoken from Philip's mouth, from my mouth, Lord. We're hungry for the words spoken by your spirit. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us today? Would you lead us in your perfect peace? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God's perfect peace. What a beautiful thought. What a a beautiful place in which we could dwell to be worryless, without any worry. In previous times, previous generations, perhaps only even like one generation back, we had incredibly limited access to information, to news, both good news and bad news. Perhaps you'd get a newspaper once a day or you'd speak to a colleague, a friend, or somebody who was able to access news from a a different source and bring you new information. I remember just as a young boy watching the invasion, the first invasion in the United States invasion of Iraq, 
through Kuwait. And back then, that was almost the first live news war. It's amazing to think that that was not even a generation ago. And where we are now today, we get instant live access to world happenings, to happenings around the globe on our cell phones, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on our news pages, on our live satellite television, just all over the place. There's an abundance of news that we are bombarded with, all of this information that needs to be processed, both bad news and good news. That information awaits us around every corner. We're almost called about the information age, this age where information has become so accessible. And all of this information needs to be processed. Sometimes this information makes us aware of problems that need to be solved, of situations that are crying out for solutions. We're thrust virtually into environments that we have never been prepared for. In this time we, we live with, there's so much information, so much environment that I'm thrust into, problem that at least somehow subconsciously in the back of my mind, I, I feel I need to solve, I need to find some sort, form of solution for when I'm thrust into all of this, wrestling with all of this. I am so encouraged by the psalmist, King David, in Psalm 131. He writes this passage, I love this psalm. This is one of those psalms which to me has been so incredibly liberating in ways that I cannot begin to tell you. O oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child within its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. What an incredibly liberating thought. Here is this king, this king of one of the largest kingdoms this world has ever known. And he writes, I do not concern myself with things too great, too profound for me. As we thinking about worry less, about casting our cares upon God because He cares for us, about not worrying about anything but praying about everything, I want to hold this psalm before you. This psalm which is so counterintuitive about so much of the age that we live in today, the age we live in today, which wants you and me to feel that we have to solve every single problem we become aware of, that we have to own it emotionally. There is a difference between worry and awareness. There is much that we should be aware of, and I think that's one of the blessings of the information age. We are able to be aware of so much. But worry is different to aware. Worry speaks about an emotional investment. Worry takes energy from us. Aware means that we know what's going on in the world around us. Worry means I allow it to become an emotional burden. Our instruction from Jesus is don't worry about anything. And I found this psalm has helped me so much. This psalm has helped me not to worry about things that are, not, that are too profound for me. Things that are beyond my scope of reference. Things that I am not, not only prepared for, but not only called for. 
We just look at the last couple of months. Suddenly, we've had to become virologists. We've had to become pharmacologists. Some of us have had to become experts in education and educational policy. And we look at sort of all of the stuff happening in the world around us. And and we feel that somehow we need to have an opinion. Somehow we need to have an input on the world's problems. And the reality is God does not expect you to have an input on every one of the world's problems. Let's be honest, worry is real. Worry in my life and probably in your life, worry is real. A great exercise that I've found helps me a lot from time to time is just to go really old school, get a pen and paper, and just jot down what are the things right now that I'm anxious about, the things that I'm worrying about, those things that are taking emotional energy from me. Are they my relationships, the relationships that I'm involved in, obviously they cause worry at times. Am I worried about eternity? Am I worried about sort of destiny? Am I worried about what happens when Jesus comes back? Am I worried about sickness? Some of us that's in our homes right now, it's almost impossible to escape. Even just in our home, we were wrestling and are still wrestling with that in some of our family members. And it, it could so easily become worry about finance. Provision, bank balances, home loans and car loans, salaries, budgets. Are are we worried about that? Are we worried about the decisions that we need to make? Are we worried about the left or the right, the yes or the no, the stay or the go? All of these different decisions that can lead us to worry. I found there is more than enough worrying in my own life. There's more than enough to cause me to worry. I certainly don't need to add anything extra. And so when I make this list of all of the worries, a a great exercise to go through is to ask, okay, but which of these, not only should I worry about, because we already know Jesus says I shouldn't worry about it, but which of these should I allow my thoughts to dwell on? Which of these are merited for me to put my information on? As I was saying earlier, previously we only had limited access to information. Now we get good news, bad news all the time from all over the world. And specifically on the bad news side, none of us are built to hold that. It's not good for our mental health. It's not good for our spiritual health to be bombarded by all of this bad news that people are posting all the time. And sadly, reality about the way that social media has sort of evolved, or I'm not quite sure if progress is the right word, but social media has developed in its lifetime, is that social media has become a place of venting, a place for putting bad news. It is so rare that people put encouraging, uplifting, upbuilding comments and posts there. And so I want to encourage us to be deliberate about that. We will look at that a little bit more in a moment. But as we're thinking about these things that cause us to worry, let us take to heart the psalmist. Let us not concern ourselves with things that are too profound for you or for me. Let us not be drawn into the world, this of the world that wants us to draw that wants to draw us into all of the world's problems they are not yours to solve don't worry about anything the problems that the world faces yes christ may call you to a specific niche there might be a specific area in which he stirs in your heart in which you speak to god you pray about and god says yes philip i want you to step out and to do something about this 
But the vast majority about the worry, about the brokenness all across the world, all God wants you to do about that is to pray. And so once we've found a way to step away from these global worries, these big problems that the world needs to solve, and that we would play perhaps a small role in solving in some extent, what about the daily worries that relate to my life? When I look at that list and I'm like, my daughter is sick and school fees need to be paid and food needs to be made and the house needs to be cleaned and clothes need to be worn. These things that actually do relate to my life on a day-to-day basis. Fortunately, scripture is not quiet around them either. Yaku read this passage for us last week. I want us to spend a little bit of time here in Matthew chapter 6. It's a passage which is one of the more well-known passages. And something that I found about Scripture, sometimes the well-known passages are well-known for a reason. And because they are well-known, we perhaps don't even spend as much time on them. We glance over them because in the back of our minds, we think, I know this. But I want us just to slow down for a moment and read these incredibly challenging but uplifting verses from Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. Don't stir up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. We pause there just for a moment and I want us just to think about what is my eye seeing? Scripture here is encouraging us around not being too worried. We'll look at that word exactly in a moment. Concerned about sort of treasures here on this earth, but looking towards treasure in heaven. And then it speaks about the light that is in our eye. What is the light that is in your eye? Do you manage at times to consider the input to your eye? Do you manage the input to your eye? Perhaps you want to see your eye as a, a place entering into your, into your spirit, into your being, and you need to put a security gate up there. You need to fortify it. You need to be deliberate about saying, what am I letting in through my eye? I remember for me one way in which this was really powerfully illustrated was once a week we get a newspaper delivered to our door, and the newspaper is a lot less newspaper and a lot more advertisement. And from time to time, there's some nice advertisements in there. From time to time, perhaps there's sort of a a nice television or some nice new gadget or a new cell phone or a computer or a couch or something that you look at. Well, this is really nice. And the weird thing is, you know, the second or the third week, that same item is there, perhaps from a different supplier, but the same. Once I starts looking at it, and I realized my eye at one stage started looking at all of these adverts. And then there was this beautiful little phrase which popped just into my spirit. What the eye can't see, the heart can't want. And for me, that was once one of those moments of liberation, of just stepping away and allowing myself to say, I am not going to get tied into this culture of being sucked into the consumeristic view based on the adverts. If my eyes don't see it, my heart can't want it. 
And that principle carries through to how are we managing our eye gate? How are we managing our social media intake? The very same social media companies which are making money out of us for our, our using social media are giving us tools on your laptop, on your cell phone. There are tools to manage your screen time. They're saying to us, beware, you're spending too much time in these spaces, many of us. And as we spend time in these spaces, what are we allowing in our eyes? Are we managing our eye gates well? Is it light coming in through our eyes or are we allowing darkness to come in through our eyes? Carrying on in verse 24, no one can serve two masters. I love every time I read this, sort of being a little bit deliberate and saying, you know, scripture says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, except some things. There are some things we cannot do if we are serving Jesus. And one of them is we cannot serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Can we just pause there for a moment? Just the first part of verse 25 Isn't that a crazy, crazy thought that Jesus holds before us? That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. And I can hear you saying this because I can hear me saying this. But Philip, you don't understand. But Jesus, you don't. There is worry. I need to worry. There's all of this stuff. And yet God says, that is why I tell you not to worry. So we've spoken about these big global issues that want to kind of invade our hearts. You know, how are we going to get the whole world vaccines or should we get the whole world vaccines or is vaccine good or is vaccine bad? All of these questions, maybe kind of a part of us feel we need to get the answer to the world's problem for. Maybe we can deal deal with that in Psalm 131, which says, I did not concern myself with matters too profound for me. Okay, okay, I can deal with that. I've, I've left the global scale issues upon my heart and my emotions. But what about the day-to-day scale? And that's what Jesus says. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Can I just put a little asterisk here quickly and just once again differentiate? I don't believe God is saying we mustn't not be aware. For example, good stewardship requires that we're aware what is in our fridge and what is in our bank balance. But there is a difference between being aware and allowing it to become an emotional weight. Worry. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? See, God brings us down to do we find value in God. Do we find value in who we are in God? Do we believe that God values us? Does he value us more than the swallows of the field, as Yaku spoke to us about last week? You know, when a sparrow falls, but... Surely God cares more about you and me. Verse 27, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Phrased a little bit differently, what does worry change? What changes 
when you worry? What about our circumstances? What about this problem we are facing? What about this reality that is before us changes when we engage in worry? The scriptural answer here is nothing. The worry doesn't change it. The worry changes my peace. The worry changes my emotional capacity, my anxiety. The worry changes, in a sense, my response, but the worry doesn't change anything about the circumstance. And why worry about your clothing? I have three daughters. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of worry about clothing in my household. It's already started. And then I'm being a little bit lighthearted around that. But why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And right here, Jesus takes this whole question and he started about money and he's serving God and mammon and all of those issues. And now he's progressed and he says at the root of all of this, this is a question of faith. He said, you are worried about these things because you don't have faith. And the great thing about us not having faith is that is something we can easily pray about and say, Jesus, grow my faith. Jesus, Enlarge my faith. We can spend time in the word and we can allow the word to grow our faith. Not having faith is a fantastic place to be because faith is something that the word of God changes in us. We know that faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. And so if you are listening to this and saying, this is hard for me because I don't have faith. All of these other worries, they consume me. And, you know, as Jesus pops this question in here, why do you have so little faith? I feel convicted. That's a good problem to have. I can bring that to Jesus and I can say, Jesus, would you grow my faith? Would you teach me faith? And I know God responds so powerfully to that prayer. Verse 31. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Verse 32 says that to us. Can we just pause there again just for a moment? Just think on that. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Perhaps if you will, you can ask yourself, here's a litmus test to know, am I a believer or am I an unbeliever? What is the difference? Well, an unbe- the thoughts of an unbeliever are dominated about what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? If those are the things that dominate the thought, that my thoughts, that fill my mind, that I'm concerned about all of the time, the Bible perhaps would call me an unbeliever. And so the invitation that God is calling us to more and more is to step away from worry, to step away from anxiety, to step into faith, to step into being a believer. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. And then verse 33, this verse, which we've probably all quoted over and over, but it is given exactly in this context. If what we will eat, what we will drink, what we will wear, if those things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, what dominates the thoughts of believers? And that we see here in verse 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously And he will give you everything you need. What is dominating 
your thoughts. I know for me, this is a continual sort of a perpetual struggle of stepping away from the worry of the world and the worry of sort of everything that social media and the news media and everybody else wants to throw at me, at my emotions, this information I need to process to step back and to say, God, what does the kingdom of God require today? What is the contribution, God, that I get to bring to the kingdom of God? God, how can I seek the kingdom of God? How can I have my thoughts dominated by the kingdom of God? For us as a church, one of the ways in which practically that manifests is we can just simply ask, God, how are we reaching nations and generations? God, how are we, how are we making disciples? How are we raising leaders? How are we planting churches? I believe that is a mandate that God does hold before us and he invites us to be a part of it. That is part of his story, which he invites us into to make it our story. For us to say, God, we want these stories of disciples, of leaders, of churches, of nations, and of generations. And so tomorrow morning when I wake up, tomorrow evening when I go to bed, are those the thoughts that are dominating my mind? that are filling my mind. God, how can I seek first your kingdom? God, how today am I making disciples? How tomorrow am I going to make disciples, Lord? How are we reaching nations and generations? God, how am I living my life in a way in which the kingdom of God is advanced? When we do that above all else and live righteously, he will give you everything you need. The food, the clothing, clothing the drink, the other stuff that we want to worry about. In a sense, what is God saying here? He says, don't worry about the day-to-day -day realities of everyday life, but worry, if you'll excuse the wording there, about the kingdom. Be concerned about the kingdom. Have your thoughts dominated about the kingdom. Verse 34, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Today's trouble is enough for today. We don't need to add worry to that which God has called us to. And the great thing about the kingdom of God, when we are worried about the kingdom, we realize that the king is leading the charge. We realize we can call upon the king. We can defer to the king. We can look to the king. And it's not up to you and me to make it happen. But the king is at work. When we begin to embrace that, we embrace something, I believe, of the passage in Philippians. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Don't worry, pray. And that, I hope, will help us to grow in our faith. To know that, firstly, we don't have to solve the world's problems. Perhaps we need to step away from the world's problems if we find them consuming us. And we don't have to solve the problems in our own lives. We can step away from them and say, God, my day-to-day -day life, I want it pointed at the kingdom of God. And as we do that, God gives us this incredible promise that he will take care of everything. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Can I pray for us as we close today? Lord Jesus, thank you for this incredible promise that you have given us, that you will take care of everything that we need. Father, thank you that I can pray for every person hearing this message today, that I can just even in the spirit invite us, Lord, into that peace which surpasses all understanding, God, that we would be anxious for nothing but pray about everything. God, I pray that you would teach us to pray, Lord. 
Teach us not to worry, but rather to pray. Teach us not to have our minds dominated by the things of this world, that we would not be unbelievers in our hearts and in our minds, Lord, but our minds would be dominated by your kingdom, God. Our thoughts would be filled with the dreams of disciples and nations and generations and leaders and churches that are being planted, God, that we may be all about that which is on your heart, God. Father, I pray specifically for everyone who is just bound up in anxiety, who doesn't even know where step one is, Lord, who are aware that they're anxious and worried. And I pray, Holy Spirit, for grace for them just to be able to step by step, to step out of worry, to step out of anxiety, and to step into your perfect peace. Thank you, Jesus, that you have already borne all of our anxiety on the cross and that the price you paid is fully sufficient in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for your time today. I trust that you've been encouraged, strengthened, a little bit of faith rising in your heart. I want to encourage you to take these texts, study them in your own time, read through them, allow the Word of God to speak, to minister to you. Ask the Holy Spirit to breathe over His words as we grow in truth. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash Pretoria.